0: This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network.
1: We're glad you could listen today to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams from Southern California. My co-host Bob Ambrosi is out on business today, and some business it is. He's meeting with Governor Patrick of Massachusetts. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court, and today we're going to be talking about the burning question on everyone's mind in the patent world, which was finally answered when the identity of the identity of the author of the anonymous patent troll tracker blog was revealed. The Widely Read blog reported on companies that critics say held patents solely in order to sue for infringement. Rick Frankel, an IP director and in-house patent attorney at Cisco Systems, unmasked himself after a Chicago attorney and our guest today offered a reward for $15,000 to anyone who knew the identity of the controversial blogger. Frankel came forward on his blog after an anonymous person warned him via email that his identity would be made public unless Frankel did it himself. A defamation suit soon followed, filed by two Texas attorneys against Frankel and Cisco. In their suit, they cited damaging posts from October of 2007, alleging that they had conspired with the federal clerk's office for the Eastern District of Texas to change the filing date of an infringement suit. The lawyers represented ESN, which sued Cisco for infringement of a patent issued on October 16th. An excerpt from the post read, this is yet another example of the abusive nature of litigating patent cases in the Banana Republic of East Texas, unquote. Well, on today's show, we are going to get the vantage point from the attorney who was once a target of Frankel's blog and discuss the reasons behind the $15,000 reward for the anonymous blogger's identity, and later we'll talk to a popular patent blogger to get his perspective on the troll tracker and the dangers of blogging, blogging anonymously. Our first guest today is Attorney Raymond Niro Sr. from the firm Niro, Scavone, Haller, and Niro. Mr. Niro is the senior partner of the firm and has worked for more than 37 years in the trial of intellectual property cases. Ray has represented the corporate and individual clients in more than 200 major intellectual property cases and has successfully tried a multitude of patent, trademark, trade secret, and copyright cases in courts throughout the United States. Welcome to the show, Ray Niro.
2: Thank you, Craig.
1: Before we get started, we want to point out that we did invite attorney Rick Frankel. However, on the advice of his attorney, he declined to be on our show today. Mr. Niro, let's start off with uh, discussing your history of the with the patent troll tracker blogger. How did you, how did the two of you get involved with one another?
2: Well, his, his blog um, at some point began to target uh, our clients and our cases, we thought, uh, uh, more so than than uh, seemed to be appropriate. So it, it became apparent to me this was somebody that had an agenda. This is somebody that had a, a uh, point of view, a perspective, that was probably being shaped by uh, where he worked, uh, who he represented. He was not just a lawyer, I think is the way he put it, interested in patent cases. So um, I wanted to find out who this guy was and uh we uh learned very quickly that uh he had set up a fairly elaborate uh way to disguise his identity and um uh, <clears throat> none of our people uh, that is the people in our firm could figure out a way to to identify who he was and it was reported to me that that was um virtually impossible because of the the protection that he was afforded to blog anonymously and uh, as time went on, the intensity of his uh, attacks uh, started to increase and it almost got to the point where he knew about cases and things and developments in our cases before we did. There was one instance in which he actually identified a pleading that had been filed that uh, the other side hadn't served us with inadvertently and we learned about it by reading what he had to say. So it was, it was a, a concern and something I felt we should address.
1: Is that what gave you the idea for the reward?
2: Well, I, that was my idea, I have to confess. And, and um, it just seemed to me that uh, this might be a way to uh, cause him to come forward and say who he was or to have somebody that knew who he was come forward and say, hey, this is X, Y, Z, uh, Rick Frankel's doing this. But... Uh, it began as a $5,000 reward and then was increased to 10000 and then ultimately to 15000 in February.
1: And I understand you ultimately had to pay out the reward.
2: We haven't paid out anything yet.
1: Is uh, the person that unmasked Rick Frankel uh, making a claim for the reward?
2: As of the present time, no. No one has come forward and said they were the one that unmasked uh, Frankel. So... I, I don't know the answer to that question other than to say that, as of right now, the reward has been unclaimed. I suspect at some point it will be.
1: And you don't know who it is that outed Frankel? No. What was the uh, the whole concept? What what was it that sparked it in your mind to, to offer the reward? Was it the fact that uh, his interest in your cases seemed to be fairly personal?
2: Well, you know, I, I believe in free speech, and I, I never... Uh, felt it was inappropriate for whoever it was to express whatever views they wanted to express Um, what bothered me is the the um, uh, the nature of the of the kind of things that were being said not only was he saying things uh, that were um, uh, provocative but he was saying things that were flat out wrong that were inaccurate he was Uh, questioning strategies in in patent cases, Um, and questioning them in a way that convinced me this guy really didn't know what he was talking about. He had not really spent any time in litigation as he professed that he had, and certainly wasn't in a position to second guess things we were doing in cases. One thing that hit my my radar was we brought a lawsuit in, in Florida I'm sorry, we put our lawsuit in Chicago, and he wanted to know why we hadn't brought it in Florida uh, because Motorola, as he put it, had a big facility in South Florida. Well, it started to bother me that this is a guy that's now uh, questioning our strategies in cases, uh, not knowing anything about why one would pick one venue over another, uh, what's the most efficient place to be, where the plaintiff is located, where the defendant's located, and so forth. So um, it, it was a concern. Uh, over time that this was a guy with an agenda who was saying things that were incorrect uh, that were inaccurate that were hurtful uh, and that were uh, uh, inappropriate uh, the, the one thing that I, that has become clear to me over time is that anonymous speech tends to be um, much more uh, unrestrained and uh Lacking in civility uh, as speech that is not anonymous.
1: So, is it fair to say that you would oppose uh, anonymous bloggers at the concept that uh, they have a right to free speech?
2: No, I, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, but I think it's it's now been uh, clear. Uh, the Chicago Tribune, for example, had um, a blogging site that it, it uh, permitted people to come on to express various. Points of view, and then they finally shut it down because the the level and intensity of the discussion became so uh, uncivil that they said this is just not appropriate for us to be sponsoring this kind of communication. I mean, Juicy Campus is another example of of anonymous blogging gone gone wild, uh, where people's reputations their their names are being used for purposes other than reporting news. Being used for a, for a sinister purpose, and somebody 's hiding behind anonymity, I, I think before too long uh, you 're going to have Congress and uh, people acting to prohibit uh, the kind of uh, uh, stuff that 's going on. I mean, the political campaigns are are, are being victimized by it. Uh, Senator Obama certainly has been victimized by it, and uh, there 's little question that anonymous Speech tends to be less uh, civil than uh, uh, speech that's attached to somebody's name. Yeah, the, about a
1: year and a half ago, the Los Angeles Times tried an experiment like the Chicago Tribune, and it lasted less than two days. And came, really, it,
2: yeah, they I'm took not their surprised time as
1: well. Right. Well did you did you ever think that that uh, this circumstance that uh, the reward in outing Rick Frankel would get the kind of attention that it's gotten?
2: Well, it wasn't my intention to do that. Uh, I didn't. Uh, the idea of putting up a reward, obviously if you're going to get a response to that, you have to get people, you have to broadcast it. So I did broadcast it by telling a reporter uh, that I would put up money to find out who this guy was. I never anticipated the kind of reaction. Um, and it was a uh, a reaction that that got very personal. Uh uh, Frankel had on his website a death threat against me um, where somebody said it would be uh, a good thing if I were killed that night um, and uh, then uh, slash uh, dot com uh, put some things out where people identified where I lived uh, where my wife's name um uh, one guy said it was a vigilante type thing that was necessary we have to find out where these people live what their license plate numbers are and where their children go to school I mean that's the sick kind of response that you get from some of these anonymous people I never realized that it would go that far and when it did I emailed uh, Frankel via troll tracker and said look this is enough Uh, uh, are you aware of the death threat that was posted against me? And he claimed that he was not, although I find it hard to believe that he could not be when it was sitting there for over a month on his website. Uh, and I said to him at that point in time via email, look, let's put an end to this. Let's debate the issues. You've got a perspective. I've got a perspective. I'll take the 10000 and give it to a charity of your choice. Um, and you tell us who you are, and we'll debate it and I'll I'll have you come to our office, and I'll pay your way out here, and you'll see what we do, and you'll meet the people we represent, and you'll have a perspective that maybe is a little different than than the one that you apparently have now. His response to that was, "Um, I'll think about it, which was a euphemism for, no, I won't do it. It was more important to him that he maintained the ability to speak anonymously than to debate the issues openly.
1: Well, what about the defamation suit? Is that something that you expected to happen as a consequence of this?
2: Well, I think when you say things, you accuse a lawyer. And I happen to know Johnny Ward. He's an outstanding lawyer. And I know Eric. Uh, They're they're outstanding people, outstanding lawyers. Johnny's father is is a district judge. To say, suggest, absolutely accuse him of criminal conduct is pretty outrageous stuff. To call that court the Eastern district of the banana republic is pretty outrageous stuff. That goes beyond uh fair commentary. Those are those are the kinds of comments that uh if if your name was attached to it, you wouldn't want to to say it. I mean, uh my partner Joe Hostiny wrote a nice piece for the uh, IP today in which he he talked about you know, anonymous speech and anonymous bloggers, and he said, what would it be like if lawyers could walk into courtrooms with masks on and um, they could say anything and do anything they wanted or the judges could write opinions without putting their name on it? Um, what are we doing? I mean, that's not the way our system works, and that's not the, the, the appropriate way to debate legal issues, it seems to me. Uh, if, if I put my name on something I say... People can say, oh, that's Ray Niro. He's got a pro-plaintiff, little inventor bias because he represents a lot of people like that. So we're going to take what he has to say, knowing that that's his perspective. But when you go out and tell the world, I'm just a lawyer interested in patent cases, when you're an employee of Cisco and you're commenting on cases that involve Cisco and you defame the lawyers on the other side of the case, I don't think... There are too many people that are knowledgeable about the law that would say that that's an appropriate thing to do. So I'm not surprised, to answer your question, that there are defamation suits.
1: Do you think there's more in the offing?
2: Could be. Wouldn't surprise me.
1: Have you heard anything from Cisco?
2: I haven't heard anything from Cisco other than their announcement yesterday that they're they're, uh, uh, prohibiting the kind of anonymous blogging that took place here. Uh, They've changed their tune in a hurry which I analogize to fixing the sidewalk after somebody's tripped and been injured. It's um, a little late. They they also said that there were employees of the firm who used poor judgment, or employees of the company. So it wasn't just Frankel. It must have been other people in their organization. And we may find out some of this because I'm going to be taking his deposition in the case shortly. But, you know, the bottom line on it is... Uh, as much as Cisco tries to distance itself from this, uh, I-, I never believed that this was some guy in his spare time uh, uh, running a blog. He was devoting, had to be devoting enormous resources and time to doing the stuff he was doing. I mean, that's, that was apparent.
1: Well, Ray Niro, thank you very much for participating today. What we'd like to do is get your final thoughts and also your contact information for our listeners so that they can reach you if they have any further questions or if they want to retain you to prosecute uh, some of their issues. So what do you say to wrap it up?
2: Well, I would wrap it up this way. Uh, it seems to me that there there is a space for people to debate issues. And I, I'm not against blogging. I certainly don't think that anonymous blogging is is per se bad. I think it's far better to debate the issues with people saying who they are and what what they stand for. Um, I think this whole thing's been unfortunate. It's too bad for Rick Frankel because I think that, uh, in in retrospect, he's probably gonna regret some of the things that he said and some of the things that he did. Uh, So I genuinely feel sorry for him. I hold no animus towards him, personally. Um, I have to question the judgment that was involved, both on his part and on the part of of uh, uh, Cisco in allowing this to to happen um, and uh, maybe there 'll be a great lesson learned from this i also I also think it 's hugely unfortunate that people think that you have to use vigilante tactics uh, to go after people that try to unmask the blogger there are some There are some nasty people out there in the world. And God knows, uh, I don't want to encourage them to uh, attack me or my family or people in my law firm. Uh, This was intended to, and the reward was intended to have this guy come forward and say who he was. And uh, ultimately, he did. I'm glad that he did.
1: So how can our listeners get in touch with you? (laughs) I'm
2: not Uh, sure I want to do
1: that. (laughs) At least, well, you you do have a law firm.
2: Yeah, I have a law firm, and uh, we're... Public law firm. Uh, uh, they could reach me through my firm, Nairo Scavone Haller and Niro, in Chicago, Illinois, and our website is uh, www.niroscavone.com dot com. And you can learn more about us. Uh, we're not looking for more business, and uh, we're happy to to help anyone that that has problems in the intellectual property field. But but uh, uh, none of this. At least my involvement in this was intended in any way to uh, promote us or promote our firm or promote me. It was really an effort to try and unmask somebody, and uh, obviously it worked.
1: Yeah, you cert- you certainly made that clear, and we hope that you and your family and your law firm are safe and uh, free from any further uh, threats or hassles, and, and I'm sorry that that's occurred to you. But we certainly appreciate your participating in the program today. At this point, we need to take a short break, and I want to thank Attorney Nairo for joining us. When we return, we'll get the blogger's perspective with our guest, Dennis Crouch. We'll be right back.
0: Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs, J. Craig Williams' blog at MayItPleasetheCourt.com, Likewise, Robert Ambrogi's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and, of course, a healthy dose of humor and wit.
1: If you have a comment or question we want to hear from you, leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at
2: 781-634-8959. We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions on our next show.
0: A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com.
1: Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. We're now joined by our returning guest, Dennis Crouch. Professor Crouch is Associate Professor of Law at the University of Missouri Columbia School of Law. Prior to joining the Missouri Law Faculty, he was Patent Attorney at McDonald, Bowen & Hulbert & Berghoff in Chicago, Illinois, and taught at Boston University Law School. He's also the editor of the popular patent weblog, Patently O.
3: Thanks, Craig. Glad to be here.
1: Well, before we get started too far, um, I will tell you that we had attorney Raymond Niro just on, and he had mentioned that uh, his the result of outing Rick Frankel for him has been some death threats and some uh, threats against his family and his car and his children and his wife and things like that. Uh, does that kind of a reaction surprise you?
3: Uh, that does surprise me in, in the patent context, um, because... Uh, you know because typically at least historically patent litigation has been uh kind of a nice form of litigation you know this gentleman's game where where it's rich people on both sides and uh and, but but things have actually changed in the in the patent litigation world over the last few years so so that now it's not just big company against big company but now we're seeing more and more small companies uh who are and individual inventors going up against uh going up against major corporations. And, and so maybe it's this shift in class warfare, in a sense, uh, that, that might be making it...
1: Uh, it's moved out of the club room.
3: That's right. That's right. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I think part of that is that, is that I, I really think that we're in the midst of a major uh, generational shift you know, th- th- that's just as big as what we saw back in the 1960s. Uh, and, but, but this shift is really uh, about the way people uh, communicate. And, you know, part of it is, is, for the most part, privacy is not a concern for, for folks who are, you know, younger than 30 years old. The vast, You know, you look at the vast majority of high school-age folks and college students, uh, they are revealing their private data, private information, or, or would-be private information. They're revealing that on their blogs or, or in Facebook or MySpace pages, uh, and and they're revealing it in a way so that strangers can can see and use that information, uh, and, and folks just don't worry about it. In addition, this kind of new generation uh, I really doesn't have a respect for intellectual property, and and part of that, you know, I think most most Americans would have some kind of visceral reaction when you see um, when you see theft of a physical item. So, for instance, you see a purse getting stolen. Most Americans would 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 see that and morally think it's wrong. And uh, intellectual property has always been a little bit different. But now I think it's dramatically different, and so there's a large group of the population of America that doesn't think it's wrong at all uh, to to use someone else's intellectual property. And and then the third thing that's that's bringing this all to a head is just how easy it is to uh, to take your thoughts and whatever someone wants to say and make it public.
1: Well, how does that? Change or that kind of global shift in privacy affect anonymous blogging. It would seem to make sense then that there would be no real reason to be an anonymous blogger.
3: Well, well, first of all, I think it's a generational issue, and I and I and I think that it's, uh, you know, I'm in my thirties, and I think I'm in the old generation. And, and Frankel and, is too, isn't he? Right, and 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 Rick Frankel, I think I, I don't actually know how old he is, but but I believe he's also you know in his thirties or 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 maybe early forties.
1: According when he when he unmasked himself, he said he'd started an IP about ten years ago as a law okay. clerk at Lion and Lion in L.A.
3: So that you know, if he followed a traditional route, that puts him about thirty-five, maybe maybe a little bit older than that. And so um, so 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 first off, maybe maybe the anonymous bloggers are, are older folks who still have a sense of privacy, but in addition, uh, in addition, even even if you. You know, even if he would have been happy revealing who he was, I, I think there are uh, legitimate reasons why people go anonymous, and and it's because of a fear of some sort of retribution. You know, either because of your employer, or 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 if you're if you're a practicing at a law firm, it may be that your clients uh, w- would react to what you're saying, and uh, you know, in addition, if you're. A, in, you know, it may be that you're working at the patent office, uh, but but you would you would somehow be in trouble with with your bosses if you were revealing uh, what was going on at the patent office, um, and and so I, so I think there are legitimate reasons to be anonymous, um, but it does create problems.
1: Well, Rave Niro took issue with it largely because uh, he alleged that Rick Frankel said some hurtful things about some other people and. Uh, especially about the court down in Texas, that he gave incorrect information, that he questioned strategy, that was uh, that he really just didn't understand what he was talking about, and perhaps uh, the tipping point for Ray Niro was that he felt that he was not being held accountable, and yet he was free to say what he wanted to say. What do you right. think about the concept of the reward and, and Rick Frankel out uh, having to out himself?
3: <laughs> well, um, you know, I I do agree with with Ray on, on the concept that, uh, that folks posting anonymously uh, I think do tend to be more reckless. Um, and, and I've seen that on my own blog because on my own blog, although I reveal who my own identity, I allow comments on my posts and I allow, and I allow individuals to post those anonymously. And, and, and it's clear to me that the ones that are posted anonymous uh, are often often written in a in a more reckless and perhaps more flamboyant manner than those uh, where where some attorney attaches his or her name to the post, and, and in those cases are, they're they're generally more civil and they're also uh, and they're also usually more accurate. Uh, and you know, part of part of uh, you know when when I go to the internet, I. Kind of my my baseline rule is not to believe what I write what, not to believe what I see um, because uh, because anyone out there can be publishing and The same thing happened to me when I w- first looked at the uh, patent troll tracker blog uh, and uh, a- and at first, uh, I was quite skeptical that uh, that it would be useful. Uh, mainly because it was coming from someone anonymous who I didn't know whether I could trust or not. Uh, but, you know, over the course of a few months, I actually began to trust the author, who it turned out to be Rick Frenkel, uh, because on several occasions, I, you know, I went back and double-checked his information to make sure it was accurate. Uh, and, uh, and I did this on several occasions, and every time I found that uh, at least the data he was providing was, was absolutely correct, Uh, You know, I usually disagreed with his ultimate conclusion because I think that he 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 did write with a bias uh, that was that was in favor of large companies and and against um, against these smaller companies or individual inventors who are Ray Niro's clients, Uh, and, and so so there was this bias, but that was really in his conclusions. For the most part, as opposed to his, his kind of underlying research, and so, so over time, I actually gained to trust him. Uh, and and, it, and at one point, I I uh, I even asked him before I knew who he was whether he would be interested in in joining Patently O as, as some sort of a guest commenter. Uh, because because he was actually raising the level of the debate in the patent community, he was he was bringing up information that no one knew, uh, because no one had really done that research, and he was very good at unraveling uh, kind of the the corporate chain and, and how uh, how uh, patent enforcement companies were financed and how they were going about their activities, and that was something that nobody else was publicly doing. And so I think, what, I, I think that he has been a real service to the patent community.
1: Do you think that uh, his patent troll tracker aspect of it had any benefit?
3: Um, yes. I, I, no, I absolutely do. I, uh, just from my own perspective, I learned a tremendous amount of details involving uh, what does a typical patent plaintiff look like today? And that's quite different than than the typical plaintiff looked a few years ago. Today, uh, the typical plaintiff may very well be a a um, a small startup company that owns a patent but does not actually manufacture any products. I think that does change how we uh, should think about uh, patent litigation uh, because you know a decade ago, as I talked about, it was kind of it, it was. It was more of uh, a, a clubhouse game, and, and the typical plaintiff would also be a manufacturing company uh, who, who had the potential of, if that company sued for patent infringement, the other side could also sue back. And, and so, so there was real potential liability from bringing patent lawsuits, and today that's not the case uh, as often. Uh, because because if a if a patent enforcement company sues, well, well, they can't also be sued for infringement because they're not actually doing any uh, any manufacturing or selling any products, and so it changes the nature of the game. and I and I think what he did, and and what he may continue to do, uh, is important.
1: Do you think that uh, Cisco is going to stand by him? Do you think it has any effect on Cisco's reputation?
3: You know, yesterday I I spoke with a Cisco uh, PR uh, a, a Cisco spokesperson. Uh, who said that you know they are you know Frankel is still uh, on f- staff there he's still going to be allowed to continue his blog and um, and that they are standing behind him a- and that they're uh, of of course uh, I suspect you've mentioned this, but there's this there's a pending defamation suit against him and him. and also against Cisco, and Cisco is defending against those uh, but they came out with a new blog policy yesterday as well and right. their their new policy is that uh, is, is that if an employee is posting about events or news related to their job, uh, they they must reveal that they are a cisco employee um, and, and, and thus it, you know it appears that they shouldn't, they shouldn't do this anonymously so so, so they're one there one policy changes that uh, they don 't want folks doing you know posting about Cisco business, but without revealing that they 're coming from cisco and I think that 's a really savvy move on their part uh, because uh, part of the nature of the internet is the idea of transparency uh, that uh, that that now it's you know it 's easy if you 're going to make a statement. Uh, that that may or may not be controversial. The way that you back up your statement is to actually post underlying references or um, or or the actual you know PDF documents that that show that what you're saying is the actual truth. And, and the Internet makes that so easy because it's, you know, it's, it's very easy to post a 200-page document that anyone can access on, the, on their computers. And, and so this transparency also comes through with, with folks hiding behind their sources and, and hiding behind their identity. And so Cisco's policy of, of requiring people to reveal where they're coming from, I, I think, helps them a, avoid potential, uh, potential backlash that some companies have have seen when they've tried kind of viral marketing campaigns, and, and in a viral marketing campaign, they might they might try to spark up some some internet interest by uh, you know by creating a YouTube video or 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 blog post, but without revealing that they're actually coming from uh, the the manufacturing company itself, and and that creates some backlash because it violates this this preference for transparency.
1: Well what you mentioned in the very beginning, the kind of ground shift in opening up privacy and the revealing right. privacy is also kind of the ground shift that we see between mainstream media and internet blogging. There's a big difference in saying that you can't ever really know who the source is behind a news reporter's article, but yet on the internet you readily reveal your source to prove your point.
3: Right. No no I think I think that's exactly right. And 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 the internet allows for uh, more of a conversation, um, and and of course that might that might require more work on the part of readers uh, to to double check sources. Uh, but I, but I think you're exactly right that there is this shift, and and um, and and part of the shift is also you know taking this power away from uh, professional journalists and and uh, and putting it in the hands of. Folks who might not be as good at putting the story together, but who probably have more actual knowledge of the details of an event, um, and, and so so I think those are all very interesting shifts. It's uh, it, you know it, I, I, I do think there's a problem if if we you know if all journalists went away uh, because they're still providing a, a very important role, um, but I, I don't think we're close to that point yet.
1: I don't think we have to worry about that anytime <laughs> soon. Just like we don't have to worry about Kindle putting books out of business. Right. Well, Dennis, we've reached the end of the program, and it's time for us to wrap up with our final thoughts and get your contact information for our listeners. So, uh, if you would wrap it up, please, and and give us your contact information.
3: Um, okay. Well, uh, you, you know, I, I I do just think this uh, this all stems from the fact that you know within uh, within two minutes I can create. An anonymous blog without spending any money, and post information uh, that's available to the world, and, and, I, and I think that that is a uh, that's an amazing shift in the power of an individual. That's also changing how society works. Now, if somebody wants to contact me, the, the best way to, to to do that is to just uh, find my blog, which is patentlyo.com, and and, and all my information is there.
1: Wonderful. Well, that does it for Lawyer to Lawyer this week. Please remember that you can check out all of our Lawyer to Lawyer shows at the Legal Talk Network. And a very special thanks to our guests, Dennis Crouch and Ray Niro, for being with us today. And Bob will be returning next week. Thanks very much.
0: Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with Jake Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com.